The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Well, hello there. Welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter, kind of a spiritual journeyman kind of guy, a media producer. I run a website of online courses called youthrivehere.com. Joining me today as co-host is spiritual rebel Sarah Bowen. Sarah's the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. How are you doing today, Sarah? I am doing good, Jim. How are you? I'm doing great, doing great. So can you believe how much we're relying on this uh, science fiction thing called the internet these days? Yeah, it kind of feels like we're in a Philip K. Dick novel or something like that, right? Or a Little Martian Chronicles. It, everything that I read in my childhood about science fiction seems to be coming true. That's a little terrifying, isn't it? It's also an opportunity, I think. Yes, yes, you that's know, a good to, point. I think the bright side is I'm seeing people that I haven't seen in a long time. Um, you know, people across the country, people from my past, you know, we can support each other in different ways than we have in the past. That's great. I also have a little Zoom fatigue. Uh, yes, not yes. today, not today, <laughs> but, the, but a little Zoom fatigue. And, you know, it really makes us wonder about uh, the conversation we had before about scripting. Are, are we writing some of these things into happening? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. I, I, I don't think anybody consciously wrote this into... Uh, into uh, reality but you know i think that i don't know how we'll have to talk to royce again sometime but i don't know how far beyond our initial selves and our immediate surroundings we can actually affect in terms of scripting but obviously there's a, a consciousness that we're all connected to so yeah and i've been thinking about actually the not necessarily the virus side of it but the tech side of it have we written this tech into happening you know all those things that happen on star trek or star wars and then we grow up and we get jobs and then we make this stuff and that's kind of exciting i mean i think that's how we ended up here on zoom today i think you're right it is exciting it i'm is gonna exciting. teleport over tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> all right but you still have to keep six feet away from all right i'll teleport six feet from you six and a half just to be safe Sounds good. Sounds good. So I hear you took my advice and started watching Lock and Key. I did. And I thought that it was like a kid show when I saw the pictures of it. And I thought, eh. And then like a house blew up 30 seconds in. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe I can watch this. I have a question for you that yes. came out of the show. Okay. Yes. 
not a spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't started, but in the first couple minutes of the show, one of the little boys asks, if you had to lose one sense, which would it be? And I've been noodling that all night. So what do you think? Wow, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'm used to all my senses. You know, I don't really want to give any away. Um, Just a thought experiment. We're not actually going to give them away. We're not going to. We're not going to. We're not going to script that. <laughs> you know, I guess. I guess the one would be smell. Oh, see, now this is why we're friends. That's the first one that came to me too. Was smell like I know I that that sight and hearing, and touch right are, are key so i wondered like smell and taste but then i googled did you know there are seven senses not the five we were taught i did not know that well now you do i can't pronounce them though <laughs> but i'll describe them for you so there's the sense of space which is something called pro proprioception i guess i'll believe you okay and then there's the sense of gravity which is vestibular, which I guess is like vestibule, right? Huh. Um, but they've included those now that we have seven senses, not just five. Well, that takes away the the idea of the sixth sense being this, you know, psychic realm, and it destroys that whole movie. I guess that's the eighth sense now. And then there isn't there that the Japanese sense about oh no, that's taste, the special taste. I don't know. Anyway, you and I are not going to be able to smell in our thought experiment, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good show though I'm, I'm really enjoying it i think um, what it has to say about what we view as real and what are possibilities and um how we use our senses which i think we're going to talk a little bit about today with our guest but I i'm enjoying the recommendation thank you cool cool now i think it's time for dueling inspirational quotes are you ready for that I am, and I have a long one this time since last week. It was so short. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm me, picking up for last time. Here we go. Me first or you? Go for it. Oh, you know what? You go first today. Let's mix it up. All right. Here's mine. Instead of throwing the baby out with the proverbial bath water, walking a sacred path necessitates mining the religions and wisdom traditions of the world for their finest bits. Spirituality and religion are not opposites. Instead, informing each other. They can be kindred spirits. Oh, now I have the biggest smile across my face right now because <laughs> I know who wrote that. Who wrote that? The crazy author of Spiritual Rebel, Sarah Bowen. Yes, you did. <laughs> I'm glad you're, you're using my that. own words on me. How lovely. How lovely. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I don't have a copy of your book. <laughs> So I'm unable to quote yourself back at you today. Um, so I'll offer this and suggest you do give me a copy of that book once you have it available. All right. Beyond the beliefs of any one religion, there is the truth of the human spirit. Beyond the power of nations, there is the power of the human heart. Beyond the ordinary mind, the power of wisdom, love, and healing energy are at work in the universe. Ooh, that's wonderful. I love that. Who's that? So that's Tartheng Tulku, who's a Tibetan teacher and writer, has about 40 books out there. But I love this idea of 
the power of wisdom, love, and healing energy are at work in the universe. Mm, that's fantastic. Thank you for that. Thank you for using my words. I guess we're having an impact on each other, aren't we, Jim? <laughs> I guess we I guess we are. I'm not sure that's good or bad, but you know, I'll take <laughs> the it. The listeners will have to tell us. <laughs> right. Um, I, I want to take a moment here. Um, I feel like we need to say that we understand this as a time for contemplating life and society. I want to express our true gratitude for the frontline workers, like healthcare providers, first responders, daycare workers, grocery store employees that continue to work so that uh, all of us can benefit from that. I also Absolutely. Want, yeah, I want to acknowledge and, and send some sincere prayers to those who've experienced the COVID-19 virus and, you know, those who've grieved for, for those lost and blessings to those who, who made their transitions. I know we kind of uh, like to keep things light on the show, but I really kind of felt in my heart that I wanted to acknowledge, you know, what's going on and, and, you know, blessings to all beings. I think that's so important, Jim. Thank you. You know, I think it's the both and, right? There's the lightness and the sadness that's happening at the same time right now. Like I experience joyful moments and moments where I'm on the bathroom floor crying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they come and, you know, you're not quite sure what is coming when. Right. Um, it's very much like surfing right now. So thank you for entering that into our conversation today especially when we talk about healing. Yes, yes, that's going to be fun. Brett Bevel is going to be joining us about um, psychic Reiki, which sounds fascinating. And I know nothing about, except I did read the book, so I do know something about it. <laughs> but <I laughs> and want we'll to... know more soon. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you ready to dive into the episode? Let's do it. He's back. Reverend Raymond Anderson joins us with Raymond's Corner. Energy. So when we hear that word, any number of concepts or ideas may come to mind. Anything ranging from not having the energy to go to work or something relating to the energy of money or solar energy or any number of things may come to mind. And the main thing that I want to take this moment to focus on as it pertains to energy is simply this idea of energy being another name for the divine. Energy being that sustaining power, that sustaining presence, that sustaining spirit, whatever we call it, God, the universe, the force, whatever it is, it is the fuel, it is the fire, it is the passion and magnificence that gives the seed the impetus to become the tree. It is that sustaining ability of all of creation to ever evolve and ever become more. It is the thing that makes gravity do what gravity does. It is the power and the presence that breathes this body temple. So when we talk about having energy, in one way we could talk about having less energy or not having enough energy. But what if we thought about the idea of not having energy? but being energy itself. And then when we are energy itself, it's a matter of how or where am I, quote unquote, expending my energy. 
Because oftentimes we feel depleted of energy because we have done something, we have invested our energy in something that is not life-affirming and therefore we have drained ourselves or allowed someone else to drain us of our energy. But if we took greater stewardship, greater authority of that I am an energetic being and how I think, how I speak, how I move and how I feel, all is a demonstration of where my energetic alignment and coherence and power is resting. So simply being an energetic being, it's a matter of, am I investing this love? Am I investing this creativity? Am I investing this power of imagination? Am I investing finances? Where am I investing, quote unquote, spending my energy? my time, my talents, my treasures, where am I investing them? Am I investing in people or places or situations that I know I really may not want to do that because it's not life affirming. They're not life affirming. The idea of a vampire in, you know, the mythology of the vampire, no matter how much blood the vampire drinks of yours, the vampire does not come back to life. The vampire remains the undead. So there are relationships that no matter how much we attempt to give and give, if it's a codependent relationship, if the addiction is there to people please, no matter how much we please, no matter how much we drain ourselves, no matter how much we let someone siphon off energy, that energy vampire, that situation, that relationship, that job, that whatever it is, is never going to replenish us. It's never going to give back to us something that fills our cup and makes our cup runneth over. So it's a matter of where and how am I, one, aligning myself as an energetic being, recognizing that the energy of all that is is showing up in, through, and as all that I am. Two, knowing that that's what it is, how am I now sharing and caring and stewarding demonstrating the authority and power of this energetic presence that I am in my thoughts, my words, my feelings, and my actions. How am I choosing to use that energy to manifest, to create, to demonstrate a harvest that's life-affirming, not just for myself, but for the world, creating a world that works for all? How am I planting and sowing more seeds of love and joy and creativity How am I growing my energetic presence, growing my energetic legacy, growing what I know is this ever-evolving consciousness called God, called spirit, called the universe itself. There is only one life, and that life is God, and that life is living itself as me and as you, right here and right now. Now it's time for our interview. Reiki master Brett Bevel is author of several books, including Psychic Reiki, The Wizard's Guide to Energy Healing, I like that one, especially named, and The Reiki Magic Guide to Self-Attunement. Brett's a pioneer in the field of energy healing apps, exploring it in his book, New Reiki Software for Divine Living, and now offering his work through the Solvana app by uh, Mind Valley. Since receiving his Reiki master initiation in 1995, Brett has dedicated himself to discovering new Reiki techniques that work collaboratively 
that worked collaboratively with the higher self. Also a poet and performance artist, his poetry has appeared on NPR. Hi, Brett. Welcome to Big Universe. Hi. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's our pleasure. Our pleasure. So, you know, I want to dive into the Reiki and the psychic Reiki, but I want to mention one thing first, and that yeah. is I love in in this section the idea that you, you talk about about the initial sound of creation being divine laughter. I love that. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just, to me, it just, I don't know, it just feels right to me. I think, um, uh, you know, I think of, of the divine just being, uh, you know, joyful and, and ecstatic. And so to me, that, that sense of a divine laugh beginning all creation, to me, that just, feels both poetic and also very real for me on a certain level, you know? Beautiful. I love that. I love that. That makes, that makes sense. It makes the universe make sense. <laughs> so I want to dive into a little bit of the basics here. Yeah. And, and the first question is, it's kind of a, a very, very basic question, but what is Reiki? Sure. So Reiki is uh, a form of energy healing that can be traced back to a Japanese mystic named Mikawa Sui, uh, who lived in the late 1800s and early 1900s. It came to the United States shortly before World War II through a Japanese-American woman named Hawaii Takada, who studied Reiki in Japan, but she was actually living in Hawaii, so she brought it to the U.S., and then she initiated 22 Reiki masters, and they initiated other people, and so it's kind of exponentially been growing in the West since that time. It's often found in uh, more progressive hospitals as a form of palliative care. And the word Reiki, if you break it down, if you look at the actual Japanese kanji, uh, there's two ways to translate it. One would be universal life force energy, which is the way most people think of it. But it can also be translated as divine life force energy, which is a little bit more how I, I think of it. Even though those two concepts are very similar to me, that aspect of it having a divine presence uh, is something that really resonates with me. What does divine presence mean to you? Yeah, to me, it means that that uh, infinite intelligence that both created all creation and that is is compassionate and benevolent and always uh, seeking the highest good, even even though sometimes that highest good may occur in very mysterious ways or ways that might even seem challenging. You know, for example, when I think of the coronavirus right now, I think you know, yes, it's painful, it's many, tragic for many people, and there, there's a lot of, you know, pain and suffering going on in the world, and at the same time behind that, I think there's a certain teaching, a certain lesson for for humanity, so, you know, it, it's, um, when I think of the intelligence behind that, that's the, the divine presence that I'm, that I'm referencing when I talk about Reiki. So, the difference between regular Reiki and what you call psychic Reiki, what, what is psychic Reiki? Sure. So psychic Reiki, I'll, I'll uh, give you an explanation about it. And I should also probably share how it came to me. So psychic Reiki is basically, it's the same energy as Reiki. It's just a technique where the practitioner, rather than using their hands and rather than using the traditional Reiki symbols, is literally in an energetic conversation with the energy. So... They're just basically in their mind saying, you know, send the Reiki to this person's brain and nervous system or send the Reiki to this person's liver 
or to your own liver, wherever it needs to go. So it literally will move from the practitioner being in psychic conversation with something that I call the Reiki crystal, which is not a physical crystal, but it's an energetic crystal that will exist outside of the practitioner's uh, heart chakra, right towards the center of their chest, once they've become empowered. Now, for me, the way that experience came to me was in uh, 2007, I was traveling by myself in Asia, and there was a period of time when I was in Laos, in the former world capital there, called Luang Prabang, which is really more beautiful village than the city. A lot of amazing Buddhist temples there. And while I was there, I both became very, very ill. Uh, was sick for several days. All the guidebooks said, if you can all, at all avoid it, don't go into a lotion hospital because it's more likely that you'll come out of it with something much worse than what you had going in. Oh my. So I didn't want to go to the hospital. So basically I just hid in my room for several days and did nonstop energy healing on myself. And then at a certain point, I just had this very quick sense of like, I'm okay now. Like it was very sudden. It was actually, there was a voice uh, in my head, you know, I didn't hear it audibly, but like a voice in my head, because the issue was with my spleen. My spleen was swelling up about the size of like a small grapefruit. And I also had a fever. I, you know, so I must have had, a, had some kind of infection in the spleen. And so at a certain point, after many, after a couple of days of nonstop energy healing, this voice came to me and said, would you like a new spleen? And in my head, I said, yes. And immediately I felt better. Now I'm not saying that physically a new spleen appeared in my body, but whatever happened, like literally within an instant, I felt fine. Um, I was very hungry. So I wanted to go out and get some food. I went and sat down at a, a little outdoor uh, kind of cafe that served primarily Indian food. I remember I ordered some alu gobi. I'm sitting in this outdoor plastic, you know, chair and um, the chair next to me was empty. And suddenly I felt just this very amazing presence in that empty chair, which I had this knowing at the time was the presence of Mikawa Sui, the late founder of the, the energy system Reiki. And from his presence, there was a ball of light that came into the area of my heart chakra. And it was from that ball of light that this concept to me came of the Reiki crystal. So what, I didn't know it at the time, but what came to me in that moment was this energetic Reiki crystal in the area of my heart chakra. It took me a couple of months to actually totally figure out and download that experience in terms of, uh, there was a lot of very mystical uh, things that happened to me, not only in that moment, but in the days and in the weeks afterwards. So many times I would just be sitting by myself and would, in my mind's eye, again, not trying to have this happen, but it would just occur, where I would, in my mind's eye, suddenly see these very, very complex mathematical equations that made no sense to me. I'm not a mathematician. But when I would see these equations in my mind's eye, I would have this deep sense of just that, that eternal presence that exists in all things, even like the eternal presence in a spoon or in a chair or in a glass of water, and just felt this huge, deep connection to that again, that eternal presence, that divine presence, if you want to call it that. And so after a period of weeks of having those kinds of visions and experiences and just tuning in my, with myself energetically, um, I started to notice that there was this new thing in my field, what, this thing that I now call the Reiki crystal, which sits in front of my heart chakra. And what I began to discover is that if I, if I just spoke to it, either verbally or simply with my mind, it would send Reiki to wherever I asked it to send to. And then eventually I came to realize that I could also 
empower others to this technique. So I worked with that. And then over a period of years, I came to realize I could put that empowerment in through a book. So that's, that's where the book happened. Um, so one can actually learn it through the book and be empowered to it uh, through the book. How is that? I don't quite understand. How can you put the power into the book? That's interesting to me. Yeah, and I have to yeah. tell you, Jim, that that I, a little secret that I have is that I actually did this with Brett, so I can be the. Uh, oh, interesting. <laughs> I yeah. did. I did. So, um, and I had the same question when I read the book. Was like, what? What's that about? So I think this is an important question. Yeah. So, um, so the empowerment exists in the book. So I literally, again, uh, you know, you, even if you look at my experience from the beginning, where I was seeing these mathematical equations and tuning in to that sort of divine or infinite presence in all things. So what, what the book has is the book, even though it, you could call it an inanimate object, it is empowered with its own Reiki crystal. And in that Reiki crystal, so if you imagine the energy of Reiki having its own intelligence, which even in traditional Reiki, the belief is the energy has a divine intelligence behind it that is guiding it and always working for the highest good. So if you have this energetic crystal that has that intelligence, that's in the book, um, it's going to know when, when you're doing certain things. So basically, the book has an image, which is basically just the Japanese kanji writing of the word Reiki. And so in the book, when a person touches that image, the intelligence that's in the Reiki crystal then sends them uh, an empowerment. Now, I know that sounds a little bit uh, maybe very new age or wacky, but my experience is, is that it works. And I've also, it's something that I really experimented with many times over a period of years before I wanted to put this in print. I wasn't gonna you know, risk my name on that with just a, 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 a chance offering. So it's something that I practiced over and over and I found, hey, this works. So um, let me put it out in a book. And from the feedback that I get from those who've read the book, um, it's working for them too. I have okay. to tell you, it was it was odd, Jim, when I did it, right? When I read Brett's, Brett's book, and I remember lying on my floor in our garden room where, you know, we had the plants and the cats were running around, and I'm lying there, and I was doing it. And I thought, you know, I don't know about this. And then I had an overwhelming sensation of, of feelings and thoughts and, and things that were a bit indescribable. And I remember thinking about it from an interfaith perspective, since, you know, I love all sorts of sacred texts, right? that there's power in words, that there's power in revelation, that there's power in, in things, um, and kind of dropped my, uh, dropped my nose, I guess, right? Not my physical nose, but my <laughs> N-O-S. <laughs> that would have been some magic right that there. That right? would have been interesting. Uh, but yeah, so I think that that's, I, I think we have so many things where we say, hey, this isn't going to work, or I'm not going to try that, or, you know, and when we open up to trying things, some some interesting things happen. Okay, I'm gonna interrupt you because we need to take a quick break, but I have one more yeah. quick question before we do that. Does it yeah. work in the ebook e form too? Yes, it does. And I, I've had that question come to me many times. And, um, you know, the interesting thing is the book was written on a computer. And so the empowerment was given through a computer. So, uh, Good point. Of course it works. yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back on Big Universe. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We're talking with Brett Bevel. So, Brett, um, I want to just, I, I love, we're going to go more into the Reiki, but I love the yeah. title, The Wizard's Guide to Energy Healing. Tell me where that came from. Yeah, so that's about a different modality. It's not Reiki. It's a form of energy healing that I call magical awakening. And um, there's a, 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 in that lineage, there's a connection to the energy of Merlin. So, it's a very playful system. And actually, uh, even though, you know, I, most of my books are about Reiki, uh, the magical awakening work is actually my preferred modality to use. Um, I find that when I do healings on individuals, most of which are long distance, most of my clients live in Hollywood. Um, if I, if I give them the option between, you know, Hey, yes, you know about Reiki and I'm happy to, you know, do a Reiki session, but would you like to try this other form that I do? And I find that once people are willing to try it, they never want to go back to the Reiki because they find that they move through their issues so much faster with the magical awakening work that I do. So uh, the Wizard's Guide to Energy basically is an introduction to the magical awakening energy healing system uh, in that book, again, which also has an empowerment um, in it. Uh, you, can, you can explore the first three levels of that system. Overall, it's a system of nine different levels, but even at the first level, there's a lot of powerful tools that one can get. I just taught an online training this past Sunday and folks loved it. And even at the first level, you can send energy distantly, which usually in Reiki, you have to get to level two to do that. So um, yeah, it's a different energy healing system called Magical Awakening. And I'm glad you like the title because again, it's my, my favorite form of healing. Interesting, interesting. Well, we might be able to get get into that, but um, first off, I, I have to mention that I'm I'm psychically reading Sarah's mind in that she wants to know if Harry Potter is real and if she can use Harry Potter. <laughs> you know what, though, <laughs> I was really asking if I could be Hermione. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are on some level. You know, I, I think that, yeah, that's one of the things we talk about often too, these, you know, these, these sacred new myths that we read that, you know, there's this kind of eternal wisdom and eternal knowledge that we pass through in all these different stories, um, yeah. whoever it is. And, I, and I've been thinking a lot about with Zoom now, Brett, you mm -hmm. know, this passing of energy and this thing that all of us are kind of experiencing as we reach out electronically that yeah. we're feeling right? That we're feeling yeah. that we're connecting in ways that we might have a year ago said, hey, that's not possible. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, just to kind of leapfrog off that concept, there was a, a call that I did that was part of Silvana. So Silvana is an app that's owned by Mind Valley. Mind Valley is similar to like Omega Institute or Kripalu, except almost everything they do is online. And so there, it was about a year and a half ago, I was doing this work with Silvana where they were doing these live, what they called live group immersions. So that it was through Zoom and it would have people from all over the planet. Sometimes there would be as many as, you know, four or 500 people on a call. And during that, I would actually uh, empower everybody to the Reiki crystal and we'd be all mutually sending energy healing to each other. And it was such a different, it took my consciousness to such a different place to be experiencing not only that number of people simultaneously sending energy healing to each other but also that sense of this is happening from various locations all over the planet and it really uh 
it was very a very mind-altering experience, I have to be quite honest. I wish they would start doing those live immersions again. They've stopped doing them since they came out with the app, but um, they were very powerful when I was participating in them. Interesting, interesting. Well, I want to get back into Reiki, um, and you know, then we'll randomly get into the other things we've already talked about too, so yeah. we, go, we can go deeper. We digress. But we do. We digress all <laughs> we the time. Digress. We always digress. All the time. Good. So, um, Reiki hologram. What is that exactly? What is a Reiki hologram? So, Reiki hologram uh, is is basically where you would use the Reiki crystal. Um, or you could also use some higher self Reiki techniques that are explored in some of my other books, but basically where you're calling upon the energy of Reiki to replicate itself in, in a certain shape. So that's the, the interesting thing is about uh, traditionally in Reiki, you wouldn't be able to give it shape. You would think of it just as a flow of energy, but with the psychic Reiki work that I, that I do, you can actually give shape to it. So you would give shape to the energy so that it would be energetically and physically replicating a particular organ or area of the body. And then you infuse that into that area of the body, intending that it's setting in a vibration of that organ or organ system operating from a place of perfect health. Now that doesn't mean that instantly, magically, everything's suddenly in perfect health, but what it does is it sets up a competing energetic signature in the body. So maybe the organ or the area of the body may be in a place of disease, but there's also simultaneously this Reiki hologram that is sending out this vibration of perfect health. And it kind of helps bend things a little bit back closer to that spectrum of perfect health. And I actually have a, a, a short uh, example of that. A dear friend of mine named Michelle Denis, who's a, a Reiki master in Vancouver, Canada, in British Columbia. And um, her husband was the owner of a restaurant. This was several years back. It was snowing one winter. He was on top of uh, the roof of the restaurant trying to clean off the snow, and he ended up falling through a skylight that was oh over the kitchen, fell on the grill, smashed his rib cage, Ooh. and um, they, she happened to, she and her husband, they lived just a few minutes from where this restaurant was at the time. They've since sold it, but um, so she was called by one of their employees. She was there very shortly after this accident happened, and the whole time that she was there, she kept energetically creating Reiki holograms of his ribs in a place of perfect health. And so then they had a snowy ride, you know, in the ambulance to the emergency room, uh, which she said was a bit bumpy because Vancouver is not that good with, you know, snow plows and stuff. I guess they're not that used to it. Um, but regardless, she said that the EMTs kept commenting on how her husband seemed much more calm and in much less pain than he should have been for that kind of injury. Also, when he got to the hospital, the doctors were saying the same thing. And then they also, over a period of weeks, he ended up healing far faster than he theoretically should have for that kind of injury. And Michelle, you know, she, she really believes that that can be credited to the work that she was doing by continuously putting these Reiki holograms, which, again, it didn't mean that his ribs suddenly weren't broken. They were broken, but she was sending into the body this energetic signature through the Reiki holograms that everything was still okay, that everything was still cohesive and, and that his body was not, not wrecked in the way that it actually was, which allowed his, his, you know, his cells to kind of you know, bend everything in that direction, energetically and then physically. So um, it, that, that's a little kind of story about how, how one would use a Reiki hologram. Can Reiki holograms take 
other forms? I mean, I know if you're working on a part of the body, but can they, can you create a Reiki holoform for hologram for another purpose or is it strictly yeah, a body? You, no, you, you can. And I often do. I, so I often, uh, when I'm doing healings, we'll often create Reiki holograms of different, you know, geometric shapes that might hold specific energies. So I will often create a Reiki hologram of a pyramid over either a person or a particular area of their body to intensify the energy. And uh, I always notice, especially when I'm doing group treatments of many people simultaneously, whenever I do that on a group of people in a room, like the, the shift in the room is, very, is quite palpable. I mean, people suddenly start, their breathing just goes to a deeper level. And um, so yes, you can create Reiki holograms, not only of like pyramids, but also Reiki holograms of things like crystals or gemstones that then, elicits that particular property of that crystal or gemstone. So I will often use Reiki holograms of say like selenite or rose quartz to help, help kind of bring that vibration into the healing as well. And now you know what I'm dying to ask Jim. It Go for is it. About, it's about animals because you know how I love yeah. animals. So Brett, can you talk about, is this something that, for example, if you have a dog or a cat or a fish or someone else in the home that's not human, yeah, this can be something that can help for healing or perhaps for calming or, or different, different things that are happening on that being. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've done work with animals. I've done Reiki and, and Magical Awakening on animals before. And I find that animals often are very, very drawn to it. You know, again, another story of my, my dear friend, Michelle Denis. She used to have a cat. That cat has since passed away. But she used to have a cat that would always join her when she was doing Reiki sessions in the home. It would literally climb up on the table when she was doing a session on somebody, almost like it was the, an additional healer. Like it, was very, very, it was very drawn to the energy. It may have so, been. Yeah, yeah. So I, I find that animals usually really, really love Reiki. And, uh, you know, early in my Reiki journey, um, back when I was a level one, I was working on a, an organic farm in Ohio and they had horses and animals there. And I would often, you know, give Reiki to the horses and they would just get very calm and peaceful and seem to really love it. So, yes, animals can totally benefit from it, as can, you know, plants uh, as well. Trees, I often will do energy healing with trees. And um, yeah, yeah. That's a great question, too, because a lot of us now are quarantine gardening, right? That's yeah. a really big, like everyone's running out of seeds because we're all going back to planting in our, in our yards. I, I think I might have to try this out on our... A little buds this weekend. Yeah, try it, try it out, and just you know, it certainly can't hurt, and just see, see if if you notice any extra vibrancy with those seeds or those plants that you offer it to. Interesting, interesting. Um, my I love my dog very much, but is there anything I can do for her gas? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, may, that might be more diet related than energy related. That's my guess. That's I'm a, trying to figure out if that's a serious question or Jim is just messing with us, but I can see by his face that I think he's serious. I'm, I'm classy like that. <laughs> I bet he's never been asked a question like that on a podcast. I haven't. I haven't. But to be quite honest, I mean, if you wanted to use the Reiki crystal, if you were to, to become empowered to it through the book, you could do a session with, with your dog and invite your Reiki crystal to send uh, some Reiki to the digestive system, as well as also just naming whatever the source of that gas might be, mm -hmm. even though you might not consciously be aware of it. Mm -hmm. The belief with Reiki is that the energy will know what that source is, and so it'll go to that issue. 
that's fascinating because you know she does have dietary issues and she is on a strict prescription diet so that could be very useful for her yeah yeah there's also um it's very common in reiki to to bless your food with the energy before you eat so you could even you know maybe send a short treatment to her food before she eats too Good oh, that's idea. a great idea yeah. when you talk about uh you talk about sending Reiki and you talk about in the book about um, Reiki portals and yeah. is that, that's kind of sending, is it, am I right? Is that kind of sending Reiki through even time and space and that sort of thing? Or am I confused? No, you're not confused at all. So there, even in traditional Reiki, there's a, a symbol um, at the second level where one, when they learn that symbol, they learn how to use, use that symbol to send Reiki through time and space. So again, most of my clients live in Hollywood. Some of them are people I've never physically seen before. Um, and yet, you know, with the energy, you can send it distantly. The, the Reiki portal concept takes that idea just a little bit further in the, in the sense that, you know, that second degree symbol that allows people to send energy healing distantly through time and space. It just came to me one day. This was long before even having the Reiki crystal. Like, oh, yeah, that's a portal. You know, none of my teachers ever called it that, but in my mind, like, oh, it's a portal. And so what I found with the Reiki crystal is it can actually kind of take hold of that portal aspect of it and use it not only to send Reiki, but to put that portal between you and something else that might be healing to bring that vibration in. So often when I do healings, I might create a Reiki portal just above a person's crown chakra to either like a specific archangel, maybe the archangel Raphael for healing, or maybe a particular god or goddess that holds a certain property. Or sometimes I might even do it just to an area of the planet that I consider to be having maybe a certain benefit for that person who I'm working on. Maybe I create a Reiki portal to the Redwood Forest or to the, the vortexes in Sedona. And that what it, what it does is it, it brings that energy into the session like as a, an additional bonus to add on to whatever is happening with the Reiki. All right, now I have a question, Jim, that I'm dying to ask because I think I'm reading your mind right now. And I mean this with all reverence, Brett, because yeah, yeah. Jim and I are ridiculous Star Wars fans. Yeah. And when I hear you talk about Reiki and when I experience yeah. Reiki, what comes to my mind is the force. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and I wonder about the the relationship between, you know, different types of energy systems and that kind of thing. Um I'm wondering if if I could call what we're talking about today the force. I mean, I I often use that analogy when I'm teaching. I'll say, you know, you can think of it as the force, but you know, instead of with lightsabers, you're just focusing it for healing. And um there is actually I think there's a sound cloud I believe there's a SoundCloud healing that I have posted somewhere where I go a little bit deeper into that. I would have to go back and look at my SoundCloud postings, but there's one where I go a little bit deeper into that. And I think I actually create a Reiki hologram of a lightsaber in that, in that healing. I love bring it. Bring it in, bring it in for a deeper <laughs> clearing. All I mean, right. We're, we're going to have to see that. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to go back through my SoundCloud and see, because this was several years back, but I'll see if, if I can find that, I'll send it to you and share it with you. Fascinating, fascinating. Yeah. So you mentioned um, angels, arch archangels, and and all that. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. What are they to you? I mean, to me, you know, I'm I'm one of those 
uh, I guess, you know, I mean, Sarah used the term interfaith earlier, and I think I've been coming from that place for quite a long time where I feel like, uh, you know, all the, all the spiritual traditions of the world hold different, beautiful, uh, you know, healing possibilities. And, and so I've always been drawn to, to all those, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, angels or working with different gods or goddesses. So for me, angels, I consider to be just, you know, beautiful, you know, healing, uh, aspects of the divine. So, um, and to me, everything's part of the divine. So, um, but I've, the ones I work with primarily is I work a lot with the Archangel Raphael, who is often attributed to have, you know, healing qualities. Sometimes I might work with, you know, the Archangel Michael or Gabriel, but most of the work I've done is, has been with Raphael and it's been very powerful in, in terms of having that, that energy come in, which again, when I'm doing the session, it has a different feel than the Reiki energy, but it's still a positive healing vibration that I just consider that's adding to the session. Um, so I don't know if that totally answers your question, but. Sure. Definitely yeah. gives me some insights. Yeah. Gives me some insights. Um, I, I just wonder, it, can Reiki ever be misused? Can someone misuse Reiki? So the energy itself is, is hardwired to always be working for the highest good. So you couldn't misuse it the, the way that like a, a Darth Vader misuses the force. You know, in that way, Reiki is, is literally hardwired where you couldn't abuse it in that way. I do, th I do think, though, there are ways that you could use it that uh, are ways that I don't recommend. And what that has to do for me primarily is uh, in traditional Reiki at level two or above, or with psychic Reiki, once you have it, uh, you've got the ability to send to people. And so one, a rule that I really like to uh, observe is to not send to people without their consent. So okay. I don't want to feel like I'm interfering with somebody's path in life unless they've invited to me or have consented that I somehow you know, be part of that healing process. So sometimes I will see and hear about you know, energy healers. So I'll use the example of you know, maybe there's the uncle at Thanksgiving who always says the wrong thing and you know, gets everybody angry. And so I'll hear these stories of people who, instead of dealing with their own issues that are brought up by that uncle or that family member, um, instead they go around and secretly try to fix that person with energy healing. And to me, that's just a very dysfunctional model of living. So to me, I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't secretly be trying to fix somebody by secretly sending them energy healing and not having their consent. So to me, that's an area where I would say, hey, you know, that's, that's not how I would use it. Is it going to harm them to receive that energy? No, but it still feels to me from the practitioner point of view, point of view to be a little bit manipulative from the practitioner's point of view. So that's where I would say, eh, I wouldn't really be trying to tamper with other people's free will and try to heal them without their consent. That comes up a lot when we're talking about healing modalities, right? Is yeah. consent and, and what we as professionals, you know, ethics, Right. Yeah. There are professional yeah. ethics in the spiritual and healing world as well. And that that's an important, important point not to use for manipulation or, or other ways. So I'm, I'm glad, Jim, you asked that question. Yeah. And, and I just want to add one other piece to that, too. Another another thing myself and not everybody, but my I know I am and a number of energy healers. When we're sending, we can be very psychic. We can really tune into what's going on with that person. So that's another reason for me that it would feel a little weird to be 
you know, uh, putting that big psychic camera on somebody unless they had agreed to it. You know what I mean? That, that would just feel a little strange. So that's another reason I just say it's, it's good to have somebody's consent before you're sending them a healing. Well, I have an interesting, you know, I thought it was very interesting and I was kind of surprised that you can do healings for things like racial bias and gender issues. So we can really address um, these, these larger world issues with, with Reiki at times on an individual level. Yeah, on the individual level. And, and for me, I'm, I'm totally speaking from my own personal experience. So I, I grew up in a family that had a lot of, you know, nasty, <laughs> nasty, you know, not only physical abuse that I received and sexual abuse and emotional abuse, but uh, particularly on my father's side was very, very racist. And um, our television man was the grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. And so, you know, to be growing up in that environment, and even though I always grew up thinking, oh, I'm not racist, that's just my dad. As I got older, I started to realize, no, it, there's stuff still in me that needs to be cleaned up, you know? And so Reiki, Reiki can be very helpful for uh, helping to clear that out, clear that out literally at the, at the cellular level, clear it out in the mental body in the way that those kind of biases might be hardwired into the brain. Um, so I definitely think, for me, I actually think that's kind of the next step for a lot of these, uh, you know, sort of modalities is how can we really start to go beyond just healing on the personal level, but also where that intersection is between personal healing and, you know, issues around race or gender or just even how we're interacting with the planet as a whole. So that brings up the idea for me of, you know, the collective shadow right? If we go Jungian on it, but what are those things? And I remember when I did the training with Brett, I did a level one training, I guess a year or two ago. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of really interesting things that came up about my family um, that just popped out of the body. You know, like we talk about different healing things and somatic experiencing and all these different ways of, of really getting in touch with the body. Cause we're often so just up in the head or we talk about being heart centered, but we don't consider the, the holistic view of it. And, and I found a lot of stuff that came up that then I got to sort through. So I think, I think it is helpful in this perspective. Yeah. So, I mean, you, this is on an individual level. So I would need to say I'm conscious of racial bias in myself and I want to heal that. It's not something like you were talking about earlier. It's not like something you can project, you know, to someone else, for instance. Right. I mean, th there's, a, there's a little bit that you could do on a, on a bigger level, but yeah, eventually everybody kind of, I think, needs to wrestle with that on, in terms of moving through their own personal stuff. Um, you can send Reiki towards situations, I find. So there's many people on the planet, who, myself included, who will send Reiki out into the world just to bring healing to the planet or to bring peace uh, to the world which I feel is very different than sending Reiki to individuals. So for example, I'm not going to send a treatment to Vladimir Putin or Donald Trump, you know, because they haven't given me their consent to, but I think it's fine to just send energy out into the world with the idea of bringing peace. You could also, you know, focus that and say, Hey, I want to send energy healing out into the world to help heal, you know, racial conflict or, you know, issues around gender. And I think it, it will help bring a positive vibration out into the world around those issues. But I think in the very end, yes, each of us individually needs to also do that, that core inner work, because unless that happens, uh, things aren't really going to change. 
Well, and it sounds like in that case, rather than you being very specific about the outcome that you want, yeah. it's more Reiki is more based on the intention again of that higher good yeah. Yeah, benevolence yeah. type of thing rather than I want so and so to do such and such. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we only have about two minutes left. And so in that two minutes, I want you to ex explain everything else you want to talk about. And then in those two minutes, I want to just get an idea. Are, are there little bits of advice or tools that people can use um, in their everyday lives that you would suggest right now? Yeah, I would say so, you know, if you're, if you're not initiated into Reiki, you know, certainly uh, you could do, you could get attuned through the book, Psychic Reiki, and start to work with that. But even if you're not doing something like that, there are simple techniques that you can use that are not Reiki, but just things that I find useful during your day. So one of them is that uh, people's energy can often attach to you at the back of the neck. You hear that term of pain in the neck, there's actually a reason for that. It hooks on what's called the gates of consciousness. And if you literally just take a little handful of salt, just a little pinch of salt, mix it with some water and rub back there, back behind the you know, back of the neck, base of the skull, top of the neck, that can often help clear those kinds of attachments very quickly. So using that or using sea salt baths, a couple pinches of sea salt in a bath is very good for keeping your auric field clear. Um, so there's little things one can do without even delving into, you know, Reiki or other forms of energy healing that are just kind of nice little nuggets of, you know, energetic self-maintenance, if you want to think of it that way. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brett, for coming on Big Universe. It's been a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. And again, I'm sorry about talking about my dog's gas. No worries. <laughs> you know no what? Worries. I bet that I bet that helped someone who's listening right now. And there's going to be all sorts of Reiki and prayer over dog food tonight. <laughs> and that's a good thing. Where can people reach you, Brett? Um, my website, I have two websites. One is brettbevel.com. So that's B-R-E-T-T-B-E-V-E-L-L.com. And I also have my online courses on academyoflovenlife.us. Awesome. Awesome. For more great information about Sarah Bowen, go to spiritual-rebel.com I've got premium video courses and help to create them on my website called thrivebeer.com I hope you join me thanks everybody and we'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio thank you for listening this is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.